Welcome to episode four of Baz Chat. This is a bit of a departure, but for a reason. It's the last one in its current format. Boo-hoo, I hope I hear you say. But as you'll hear in this episode, we're going to be changing things around a bit and in the future, focusing on the club side of fan engagement in a commercial environment with Baz. In this episode, we look at the value of fan engagement when you get that approach from a tech company, why clubs value sponsorships and partnerships as they do, and whether leagues should be providing more help to to, to clubs to build their fan engagement strategy so that clubs can focus on building resilient and successful sports businesses. In the future, we would also love begin, beginning uh, to begin to incorporate more views and questions from listeners. So do drop us a line at hello at faninsights.co.uk or pop onto Twitter at faninsights.co.uk or any of, other, of our social channels um, to, to pose any questions or have a chat with us about any issues. Don't forget, Fan Insights becomes Think Fan Engagement soon. And also join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join. Exotica. I haven't released all the information about it yet. It's not that much information to be truthful, but um, but I'm going to be doing a little bit of, we're going to be making some changes to the podcasting. There's some change changes to um, uh, the business name. So I'm going to be renaming it Think Fun Engagement. Um, mm-hmm. I'm new branding to come along. Um, I'm going to be releasing a new podcast name to be released. I'm not going to tell everyone what it is yet, but it's a, it's um it's a name I like very much. Um, and that's going to be with an expert in sports marketing who's been in the field for a long, long time. And we're going to do some really interesting stuff with that. And we're going to carry on doing the fan engagement pod as the, the weekly interview. And that's going to be a weekly chat we're still going to do. And finally, we're going to be continuing this Baz chat thing. And what we're going to do with that, and me and Baz have been talking about this, haven't we, is we're going to focus a lot more on the club side. Um because when we started this, we wanted to look at the whole area of commercial and marketing with a fan engagement flavour. And I think what we found is that, well, we've always known your expertise is undoubtedly in the club side because you've been in there a long time. You've studied it. Um, you know, you've done it at PhD level. You've worked in other sports. You've gone to other countries. You've done loads and loads of this stuff. And um, it was master's level, not PhD level. Master's level, sorry. Well, PhD's coming down the road, surely, Baz. So, <laughs> so, 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 what would be interesting, actually, maybe on this on this occasion, is to kind of almost to, to sort of put a seal on on the few on the three episodes we've done on um, um, previously, but also to start look, looking forward to what we're going to do, is to start yeah. kind of start off by um, looking at some of now we did i mean of course we've covered some of this in your first interview you know because we, we did a fan engagement pod with you didn't we did mm-hmm. a fan engagement pod with you originally which was sort of where we started thinking about well maybe we could do something a little bit more with this um but what would be interesting is to maybe talk a little bit about some of the um some of the 
some of the things that people do when they approach you in a club. So if someone's coming from a marketing firm, a brand, um, mm -hmm. uh, it might be a data company, it might be an app or someone like that. It'd be really interesting to hear some of the stories you've got. You don't have to name any names because obviously you want to try to be retain your professional aura and, <laughs> and not <give laughs> secrets. But I'm yeah. interested because I get I get what I've what what's been really interesting over this time through so just the pod itself, and and also more widely the more the more I've spoken to more and more professionals in the industry on the club side, is for example, once someone said to me, as a commercial director at a club I know, said it really frustrates them when they get an approach um, to their to their club, and they're not a London-based club, you know. But every and they're not a, a Premier League club, but every single person approaches them and wants to have a conversation, a brand or whatever, and they want yeah. them like they're the same as that club at the top. Mm -hmm. So it's why is that? Is it? Is it? Is there something? Do people look at clubs? Do you think and just go, ah, football club, right? So, what? So they'll just look at, or they'll think, what did we do with this Premier League club, or what did we do with that club there? Or let's just put, let's try that approach there. Do you do you think they do their research when they come I, to you? It's frustrating when you work for a club trying to deal with that misunderstanding. <laughs> There's a, well, there, there are two entities that work, um, that always want to work a lot with clubs and fans. One of them is sports tech companies, sports tech startups, and there's, there's loads of sports tech startups. And I remember when I was speaking at a lot of conferences, when that was still possible physically, uh, that you always got approached by sport tech companies that, um, that have, um, have an interest in you as a club because clubs are good v PR vehicles. So if you as a company, you often, this, this is, I think, um, publicly known secret that you cannot make much for, uh, money in sports as a company. So sports are mostly the PR vehicles you need to open up uh, different portfolios. For example, there's, there's, there's these, um, these uh, CDP platforms, customer data platforms that have loads of, cl of clients in, in um, traveling, in travel agencies, in um, whatever uh, e-commerce, for example, but they want to have one or two or three football clubs in their portfolio because that is what a lot of people resonate with. That is what sells really well in a, in a conversation. If you have, uh, if you can, as a, as a data company, you can speak about how you've uh, done amazing work for a, for a unknown e-commerce company. Maybe it's not, doesn't sell that well, but if you can say, Hey, I've done this uh, great project for crystal palace, everybody knows crystal palace. So then, and it's very easy because in, in general clubs are not the most mature um organizations digitally and and uh when it comes to data so there's the clubs have a lot of uh have a couple of elements first of all there's there's easy progress to be made second of all most people know them so it's easy communication um from a communication perspective so is it okay is it the case then that you said the maturity when it comes to data do I, I wrote down the question what what are clubs looking for do you is it the case then that simply 
when a when when or if a club is thinking about about it from their perspective so they get an approach from a, a data company for example and their commercial team their, their their communications pr team whatever it is marketing team are talking about this approach in their meet you know their weekly meeting or whatever it is now are they just are they ju- are they just generally looking at the pound signs or the the euro signs are they looking at the money um are they are they not saying well so what could we get out of this and is that is is that company so let's say it's an app right mm-hmm. and it's the pain of my life it's one of the reasons that I, I sell fan insights and what will soon become think fan engagement i might remind everyone but um <laughs> it, it's one of the reasons why i did it not that i don't like apps and app companies i love tech i think it's wonderful stuff mm-hmm. but in its place always in its place it's usually a device it's not the means it's the means to an end not an end in itself exactly but, so if a so if a so if an app company approaches a club, do you think the club are looking at it in an asset they can sweat, or are they just going right? Well, that'll give us five figures towards our commercial targets, or are they going? Is there an engagement thing we can do? Can we use this to actually genuinely not just, you know, upsell some lager during half time, or sell more shirts, or? Maybe it is even connected with something as rich as esports or gaming, some kind of gaming platform. So you're, you know, and you're in the game or whatever. Or you know, is it pounds or is it development? Are people looking at these to grow their business and to engage with fans better, or they, or or is it a bit sort of right commercial targets? Quick, let's get there. If only uh, clubs would always think about the fan engagement bit, but yeah, that's probably an answer you would uh, expect from me. Now, what I've what I uh, what I've experienced so far is that uh, clubs are always slightly in a in a jumping back into a modus of hey we're the club we're the one that they want to become part of so bring it over let's let let's show us what you got but you need to be very as with any business deal you need to be at the right moment at the right time with the right message etc so. What I always advise uh, sports tech companies or companies who want to work with sports, understand where in the strategy the sports club is at the moment. So often they all, they have, well, hopefully they have a three to five year strategy plan and they're somewhere along the road of executing that strategy. And it is very important for a sports tech company to, uh, to of course, understand, okay, where does when does my solution become handy and the term solution which is often being used is not always the right term because uh, very often sports tech startups create a solution for a problem that does not yet exist or will not exist at all and that therefore it's not a solution it's just something flashy that uh, someone has devoted a part of their life for which is incredible amount of um, uh, dedication but maybe it's not something that the market is waiting for. And this is not unique to sports, of course. This happens in any in any industry. Now, what I've experienced so far is that clubs like to take the approach of, okay, to lean back and to see uh, on the right moment, okay, show us what you got. Plus, uh, budgets are often limited. Um, when you are when you're working with big bigger clubs, they have innovation budgets, and they have now there's uh, the Barcelona Innovation Hub, and there's I think Valencia is having an innovation hub, and they are actually dedicating their 
um, their time and their resources to helping these startups to grow. In fact, Valencia is a very good example for that. But these are the exceptions. More often, you will find a club that says, "Okay, we want to use your, uh, we want to use your uh, piece of technology because we recognize that it can uh, help us uh, sell a bit of extra uh, beers during halftime, or it can increase engagement a bit." Um, but we are not willing to pay for it. So you can see us as a showcase for your product to other organizations. Right. Well, and and let's be honest. So there's two points I wrote down about the things you just said. I'll come to the first one in a minute. But the second one I wrote down was just imagining a supermarket or retail concern um, spending money on an app that they weren't sure about. Uh, you know, they're not sure whether it would service their customers um, you know, obviously, we're talking about customers here rather than generally rather than stakeholders are people who can take the business elsewhere. But, you know, there's the customer element there. I can't imagine that over here we have, you know, Sainsbury's, for example, I suppose, Netto, um, if we're talking about um, the Netherlands, people like Netto and people like, I don't know, what supermarkets you have, Lidl or whatever. I can't imagine they'd be saying, well, let's just, uh, you know, let's just, uh, yeah, let's get this for nothing. Um, you can be our showcase because we're a massive high street retailer. Um, mm -hmm. We're not going to pay for it and it might work. I just, I sort of, I get, <laughs> I get the angle. I get the angle yeah. that because people, you know, and I come from, I come, and I'm a frustrated, frustrated public relations practitioner. I get fed up with people thinking public relations is publicity. Publicity is great, right? But public relations is thinking about your stakeholders, it's thinking about your purpose, it's mm -hmm. strategic and, and, and working out things properly I relationships just, are a long-term game yeah, all those sorts of things but i don't get yeah. why any um business would think it's sensible to tie up with anyone unless they've got uh -huh. an idea about how that's going to play out yeah. and and yeah you get it for free yeah and actually i get you know i think it's it's a, probably a really good you know it's, a, it's one of those weird things it's a because of that weird place that football sits and sports organizations sit where because they're a public good people will often offer especially lower down but they'll but mm -hmm. probably further up as well they'll often take a hit financially on a deal or they'll they'll give something yeah. for free because there's something good about that they'll give stuff to the, the club charity or whatever you know and auction stuff off you wouldn't do that with a supermarket but it's still i don't i still don't see enough in what you're saying and you're the, you're telling me this mm -hmm. more than I, I you're telling me more than what i know already although i've always known bits about that and suspect yeah that you're saying to me that, you know, clubs are making decisions, which are sort of, well, the cheapest okay, option. Oh well, yeah. And you're the giving cheap, this, the cheap giving option. That's for nothing. So we'll have it. Well, and yeah, that's but, often what, what clubs are looking for as well. They want to have something. And the, the interesting point as well is that, uh, it, the, instead of putting a monetary value into a deal, clubs have some extra assets that they can give away. So they can also say, you know what, uh, we will take your, uh, technology app and and okay you maybe you you will bill us for an x amount but we will put the valid that valid that amount we will uh break down into a couple of minutes of of, of led boarding or we will uh give you a couple of uh, business seats which represent x value as well uh never been measured completely what value that that is so and that's that's a bit of the part where as clubs you have your wiggle room on saying, okay, in this deal, uh, two business seats are worth 80,000 pounds. 
and in the next business deal day later, uh, they may may be uh, worth uh, sixty thousand pounds. That's that's just the part of the negotiation as well. They all seem very sort of disconnected, unrelated parts of any deal. That if you signed a player, right, you were signing a player, you mm -hmm. wouldn't say, well, 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 actually. <laughs> That's not true. You know, there are plenty of conversations we could all have about why on earth did that, that club sign that player and they never play. <laughs> but in general, you accept that a player gets signed for a club because they're there to play a particular part in the team. And if they're not yeah. now, then they will be in the future. So why yeah. the hell would you sign a deal with a company that isn't really it's OK, we'll give you some seats as a bit of extra value. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, we still don't really know what we're going to do with you. You'll give it. You're offering us things. So we'll give it a go. It does seem a little bit unstructured. So that takes me to my first point of strategy. Well, this, this is strategy. Yeah, so let's take it to a strategy point, right? Okay. We people like us are fond of talking about strategy quite a lot, and and we're right to do so because, and this isn't just football or sport. Mm. You will say the same thing. Lots of companies don't have strategy. What they have is a series of tactics. That they then say, well, that's our strategy. No, it's not. You're doing things. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. In your experience, when it comes to integrating fan engagement into your decision making, you talk about a three to five year strategy. What is the mm -hmm. fan engagement element of that in a club? What does it, is it sheer commerciality? Is it just commercial? You know, so we need to get this many clicks, this many conversions. Um, uh, not, it's well, not about what, what, what is the, quality of you know what do people think of us with do mm -hmm. they do they like what we do do they do they do, do we listen to them when they tell us don't do that halftime entertainment yeah. which they well, then got a commercial partner for <laughs> yeah <laughs> well here's the here's the thing um we're living now in a society where everything needs to be measurable and we need to quantify everything but Einstein once said, not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that can be uh, that counts can be counted. And this is sort of the area that we're always playing with. And to me, fan engagement is still, um, even to me, that's, it's something that is very hard to grasp. It's, it, it remains often in that fluffy domain where it's very hard to understand, okay, what, is, what exactly is fan engagement? Is it part of marketing? Is it part of PR? Is it part of communication? Is it a bit of both? Is it a bit of, bit of all of that? And that's, that, that is what makes fan engagement hard to implement into a strategy as well. Now, luckily, there are more and more tools becoming available to actually um, to, to be able to, to measure fan engagement better. Uh, but those tools often come from um, from regular business practices like uh, like uh, social science you can do observational research which is a uh, which is a classic uh, tool for uh, within social science uh, see what customers do mystery shopping etc then you have of course uh, plenty of other uh, options you could have focus groups which happens a lot when for example t uh, tv series are being produced uh, the networks have conversations with a pre-selected diverse group to understand what is the next series that we should design. This is what Netflix does a lot, for example. Uh, and these are things that, that are now, well, in my experience, still not happen enough because you can measure fan engagement. You just need to understand how and look further 
than the bubble of sports, but look beyond that. Under, uh, understand the tools that are already at your disposal if you are working in a different industry rather than just sports. So looking beyond then, so, so, are, so are we saying then that when it comes to football, that, um, that, that it is a very underdeveloped area when it comes to st strategic decision-making, it's still a lot of, um, there's still a lot of decisions that are made that are just presumed. So we, yes. you don't even go, you don't even say to yourself, I'm going to make that decision because that's the decision I've always made. You just make it because that's the decision you've always made. And that's mm -hmm. true when it comes to engagement. And you don't, you don't say, right, so we need to have a think about this because actually, so for example, okay, for example, right, I had a conversation with someone not long ago uh, who works in the sports marketing field, um, runs an agency, pairing um, interested businesses with, with clubs and sports organisations and rights holders. And he said to me that he was, he was, uh, he was talking to a club um, about a, 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 a commercial um, a deal, looking for a sponsor, looking for some kind of partner. And they'd, all that had happened was they had been told that they needed to create an, a, an increase of £20,000 uh, when it came to the, the front of shirt sponsor, because that's what the, uh, the, the, a particular individual in the club thought it was worth. Is this, is this what goes on? And so if you then say, so why aren't clubs incorporating fan engagement into their decision making? Well, if they're saying, if someone is saying, seen, this was someone senior in the club, someone senior in the club is saying, I want you to get 20 grand a year more for this sponsor, mm -hmm. just because I think it's worth 20 grand more then what on earth do we expect in clubs to be able to grasp all the intricacies of fan engagement? We're being a bit unfair, aren't we? We need to be a little bit more understanding that, that actually this is quite difficult. So when they do get these approaches from, you know, and after all, that's what we need to look at here. When they do get these approaches from data companies, app companies, marketing partners, all those sorts of people, you know, why are we expecting a really long thought out process when what they're looking for is money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that the answer? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, it's 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 difficult. Um, it's it's very hard to put a number on a piece of uh, on a sponsor object that you have, uh, whether it's being naming rights of a, of a stadium, which we've talked about before, uh, or it's shirt sponsorship, or it's very hard to to put numbers on that. So, what is what's what's what some companies are now doing are trying to measure that already to see, okay, what is the actual value of the exposure that I have with this um, from my shirt sponsor, for example. So what, and, and they're trying to, to put numbers on that, but often clubs find that they have oversold their, uh, their, um, their sponsor objects simply because they thought it was worth more than it actually was. And also, on the other end, sponsors are starting to identify opportunities which are cheaper than uh, sports sponsorship. For example, if IKEA as a brand has a lot of personal relationships with, a, uh, with their customers because they have gathered so much CRM data, they don't need sports that much anymore to get their message across to a wider audience. 
and that's a bit of the a bit of bit of the thing that that that's happening now as well. Now, sport on the other end, um, in favor of the sports teams, they do have additional um, information on on the audience that sponsors want to uh, want to understand. For example, if uh, if a family always rocks up to to games um, at the stadium. If they if they always come as a family and there are uh, I don't know there's there's a, there's a bank that that wants to uh, wants to target to these specific segments they can do that by either having a sponsorship with a uh, with a sports club but there are easy easily also other options becoming available that they don't need those sports clubs anymore now sponsorship sports sponsorship will always be there because it's always a prestige element as well if you are a local um, construction company and you can show your competitors that you do have uh, these uh, awesome private seats or a small skybox in the stadium and your competitor does not it's a bit of uh, a bit of a, a nice thing to show off with as well but do our, I think the sponsorship domain will change because we've long talked about the promise of sports teams, uh, sports clubs having a big reach and a CRM database that is very interesting for sponsorships. But so many clubs have not uh, been working on that for so long that that opportunity may pass on as well already because mm. the digital domain yeah. has been changing yeah. so rapidly yeah. with all kinds of digital advertising opportunities and and. Um, normal companies yeah. setting up their own customer databases that they may not need sponsorship anymore, and that that's that's a bit of a sidestep, perhaps, on your re in, uh, initial question. But I no, do no, it's, no, it's an important point because if you're if if you're not keeping up, if clubs are not keeping up with what is required, mm -hmm. just in terms of, it's it's I suppose, you know. The market out there will change all the time for anything, um, yeah. especially now. Or the market will always be changing and moving and shifting. And if the market is changing to a point where you become less valuable as a football club in one area, which is, mm -hmm. it's, you know, your relationship with those fans, and that you can't simply rely on their eyeballs being on a, on a sign on the side of the pitch or in the programme, which is sort of how clubs perhaps some clubs still they sell eyeball hours they're yeah. in the attention economy yeah they look at a sign right well we charge you because there are five thousand people in the stadium every two weeks or every one and a half weeks you know twice a week you know mm -hmm. there's an average of four and a half five thousand in a stadium therefore this is what you're going to going to pay instead of which yeah. what they should be saying is is well we've got um we've got all these assets we've got the people in the ground we've got these people on the um on, on our database and we can get insight from them which can be valuable to help us to get more money from those pitch side ads and ads on our social or ads on our website or it can actually develop new areas of of income for the business but this is an interesting one because it's it you know it's like and i don't want us to stray too much into just pure commercial and marketing conversations because i don't think that's helpful for that's not what people are listening mm. to before. but it is it's an interesting one that you know, we do, as I said, come back to that thing. We talk a lot about strategy and well, lots of clubs are not perhaps having the time to think about that and they're not being readied for it. And actually part well, of the problem is, is that they're, 
they're subject to all those pressures out there as though they are a lone business making its way in the world. Well, they're not. They're, <coughs> member, of, they're a member of a league, a sports, you know, organisation. And this is where I come back with fan engagement. And I say, well, wouldn't it be helpful if the organisations that, that, albeit the clubs own, but they oversee the competition, wouldn't it be helpful yeah. for them, then for them to be helping to make those clubs more ready? And almost mm. perhaps even saying, look, mandatory, part of what you have to do is start to learn more about how to connect these areas up and run sports organisations and sports businesses rather than, you know, as it, as it has been, it's a, it's a football club, but no one really understands. Oh, that's not true. That's not fair either. But the, the full understanding of what that is isn't necessarily widely known. Do you get my point? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think... Some, yeah, yeah. I, I think I do. And what I what I what I think that I uh, what I think that's that's important here is that in general clubs are chronically understaffed. So if you are understaffed and you do not allow yourself to take a moment to sit back and think about okay, what's that that point on the horizon again in three years? Where do I want to go to? How how do I want to get there? Those are crucial uh, processes to go through. And to just let the work be its work, but and that's that's part of the nature of of this industry, anyways, because we're we're in a constant cycle of game after game after game after game. And if you have so many operational people and so little people in strategy, then that's a very then that that never allows you to just sit back and think, okay, where do I want to go? How do we improve this? How do I improve that? Plus, uh, what I often also see is that the strategic part is not always done by the highest people in the in the food chain but also sometimes on an officer level which can never be strategy that is operational officer on the on the the the, the bottom of the food chain uh, so to speak the bottom of the hierarchy strategy needs to come from the top it needs to go from top down and if a strategy comes uh, goes from the bottom up sure great ideas can be shared with the top of the organization and they will then uh, break it down into uh, into uh, crucial parts for every department but strategy never sits at the bottom of the hierarchy impossible okay right look i'm gonna wrap this up i'm gonna unusually i'm gonna i'm gonna finish this podcast instead of letting you finish it which is what i normally do with a guest <laughs> um one thing i'd like us to to to, to do and I'm going to put a more formal call out. Is I'd, I'd, I'd like us to start also um, asking um, our audience um, whether there are questions they'd like to ask you, whether there are things that they'd like us to, to look at. Um, and, and anyone can can email, either email me at hello at faninsights.co.uk or they can drop us a line on Twitter at faninsights.co.uk. Um, That's all obviously going to change, but it'll be, it'll be very clear. You'll still be able to reach us on the old addresses. Also, drop a drop Basil line on Twitter. Even engage us in a conversation on Twitter. And we're going to go out. I'm going to actively go out there and start chatting with people and see if there are areas that that are of interest, particular interest to look at. Because I think it's it's an it's an area that I don't know enough about either. It's an area I'd like to explore more about. And I think only by asking the experts in the field. And the people who are doing this day to day, will we really know what we can, you know, what certainly I will know then what we can really start to focus on. It'd be interesting to do that a little bit and source some 
source source some thoughts from other people. So thank you very much, Baz, for what you've um, been involved in so far. And I'm looking forward to kind of a, just a slightly tweaked Baz chat in the future. It's going to be good fun. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, thanks for having me again and uh, speak soon. And uh, I, I, I do want to tap into the uh, invite that you've said. And there's there, the power of humans in general is its collectivity. So if we can have this conversation with more people, not just my opinion, but to anyone that is now listening to this podcast and thinks like, hey, I've heard a couple of things that I want to tap into. Please do.